Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you very, very much for joining in episode 232. Uh, it's been an unbelievable journey. Uh, you know, sort of thinking about 232 episodes and some of the wonderful guests we've had on. Uh, some of the, the, I suppose, the most. Uh, Listen to chats have been with uh, former Ironmen, and uh, today I have an ex Ironman champion with me, Guy Leach. Uh, Guy Leach is now 59. He's an extremely fit athlete, still trains every day. He's competing overseas soon, uh, mainly in ocean paddling. That's his, uh, his main interest. Uh, Guy um, had um, some amazing results as an Ironman. He also turned his uh, attention to triathlon back in the 90s and sort of struggled a little bit with that and sort of went back into the water sports. And uh, yeah, certainly uh, is doing very, very well still and loves what he does. So we're going to learn about uh, you know Guy's journey today, some of the other uh, life lessons he's, uh, he's learned along the way and some of the challenges he's also faced. So really appreciate your feedback. If you want to email me, support outbackmind.org.au. Please check out the website, outbackmind.org.au. Help us out with a donation if you can. We'd be, uh, be really grateful. If you'd like to maybe set up a men's circle in your region, please set out. Uh, sorry, please reach out and um, we'll see what we can do to help. They're certainly going well here in Queensland. We want to be able to spread them more into other areas. G'day, Guy. Hey, Aaron. How you going? Uh, very well, mate. Uh, very grateful to have you on here. The last time I saw you was on tally, I think, in a pair of budgie smugglers running around a long time ago, probably 30 years ago now, so... That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still wearing them. You're still wearing them. I can still, I can still fit into the same ones. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> it is, mate. That's it, probably, it's probably the, it's probably the test, isn't it? Well, it is. It's funny you say that because um, we we're just talking before about, uh, you know, our workloads and training capacities and that sort of stuff, and and my my sort of, um, you know. Uh, uh, I suppose pathway has changed, but I still fit into the same running shorts that I used to, uh, you know, use uh, ten years ago when I was riding into it. I've still got the, you know, the the, the same ones there. So you know, just yep. just the maintenance has um, has held the body up, but without having like a goal or a target, um, you know, for it to aim for. I suppose. Yeah. Look, um, it, there's no doubt that um, you know, as you get older, you you probably need to find. Uh, new challenges to keep yourself motivated there's you know for me um you know one of the things that i um sort of have done the last 10 years was just do exercise from a just a like a just a, a health point of view mm. and and not not a, at a like a high level um and, and i've sort of i've just um i signed on for it was four months ago now to go and compete in hawaii in a Ocean paddling event, and so I sort of set a sixteen-week program to get myself in shape, and that's the first time I've done that in a long, long time. And mm. as soon as you go and do that and commit, then all of a sudden your intensity goes up, your training, your focus. So I wouldn't say that I want to do that all the time, but it, it, it's definitely proof that having a target and a finish line to aim for is something that um, 
definitely spurs you on. Mm, mm. For sure. It's interesting you're saying you're sort of doing 90 k's a week on the water. That's um, that's pretty awesome, you know, for someone uh, that's obviously had, um, you know, a lot of success on and off the water previously. But um, have you found, like, uh, picking that sort of intensity up, um, you know, fairly easy uh, since you sort of had that focus uh, and, and that commitment to go to an event like that? The um, So paddling's a good sport as you get older because... Um, it's a weight-bearing sport. Um, you're not getting belted. You're not. There's no impact with it. Um, so they're all they're all good good um, signs for like you know a sport that you do as you get older. So I, I've got that up my sleeve. I continue to paddle um, from when I retired from Ironman off and on, just as part of my fitness regime. So it's, I never gave it away completely, um, which is good. Um, that helps, uh, and I look. I I was very um, mindful of the fact that when you get into training, you don't want to go in and go too hard too early. Um, you know, the chances of getting injured and just sort of blowing the body up um, is there. So I, I sort of the first four weeks, I did. I just did um, mileage with no effort, and just went through that process of just building up the miles into the into the bones and the muscles and just the, the joints and just got everything used to it. And it was sort of, then for the next month, I, I started upping the, the effort levels, but nothing r- ridiculous and made sure that I sort of would do three days of paddling and then have a day off and do something else and just mix it up and change the muscles over. So, look, you know, there's a, there's a wisdom in having come from a background of being a professional athlete. Um having the knowledge of the coaches I had over the years. I, I, I started in sport as a swimmer and tried to represent Australia um, in the pool and, and and achieved that by the time I was 17 and and, and had good coaches there. Had, had a, like My main coach was the coach for the Olympic team for Australia. He was the head coach of the swim team. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot, of, a lot of sort of strategies on how to train um, early on and then obviously got better um, and, and learnt more during my Ironman days. So you, you, you're not you're not going into something without a lot of knowledge. So I've sort of, I've done, um, I've done, th- what have I done, 13 weeks, 12, I'm 12 weeks with four weeks to go to the race and mm. like, there's no issues at the moment. If I could find another half a year in speed, um, I, myself and my, my partner in the race, my teammate, or a chance of winning the whole thing, and that's not just as an age group, an age grouper, but also in, like in the open division. Mm. So we're 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 moving along, you know, and I'm I'm quite um, surprised that I'm actually going as good as I am for someone who's nearly sixty. Mm. So that's good. Yeah, mate. Oh, mm. well, you know, a couple of key things there is the maintenance. A lot of people, um, you know. They get to the finish line of something or have a have a focus, and when they get there, they sort of blow out a bit. But um, I just think, yeah, yeah that, that's a trap in life, isn't it? You know, you've firstly got to enjoy what you're doing and not try and um, do something to uh, to prove something to yourself or others primarily. I think, you know, some of that's important, but it can't be the primary driver. It needs to be something that um, is sustainable and, uh, and you can maintain, you know, and... Um, yeah, you know, that's tremendous that you've been able to, you know, keep that um, that, that, that reasonable level of fitness um, up and then be able to move into something like this, uh, you know, as you sort of hit 58, 59. Yeah, the, um, 
I was always very aware when I retired. I retired from professional sport when I was 35. Um, I, I was always um, wary that to not overstay the the friendship and, and get out too late and, and not still be competitive. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in my last race I ever did in Ironman, he just beat me and I came second. And that was my last ever race. Um, mm-hmm. So I was still at the front um, fighting out for the win, which was which was good. Um, but I, I always knew that, that fitness was a thing that I loved. I sort of set up a business off the back of, just that love for fitness and, and being healthy once I retired. So I was sort of one of those lucky professional athletes with a profile that actually knew what he wanted to do mm. when he retired as opposed to a lot of them that just don't know yeah. and uh, suffer because of it. Um, but I was also also very aware that the time's your greatest asset. Mm. You know, I learned that during my Ironman days where you have to train for four different disciplines in one sport so you know taking 168 hours in a week and that being you know your total hours how to go and utilize those hours to get the best result and to be the fastest you can be and to win races at that time was really important to me but then once I retired and going fast wasn't a concern um then it was about time being something where how long are you going to be on this earth and and what quality of life are you going to have whilst you're here? Mm. So, you know, so I've always been very wary of the fact that, you know, I still have a good time. I'll still go out and have a drink. I'll still eat ice cream and chocolate and those things. But I'm just very, I, I'm, I'm just, I have an awareness of getting enough sleep, not being stressed, mm. doing the things I love, um, being healthy and fit, trying to, trying to utilise the day and make the most out of it because you don't get it again. So they're, they're all sort of things that I do think about where a lot of people don't. Um, yes. And I've set my world up around that. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Focus, mate. Yeah, look, I, I think that's tremendous. And you're able to uh, develop that mindset um, early on, I suppose, you know, being a young fella. Uh, moving the body, you know, 17 and then sort of, you know, while your brain's still developing, actually like being able to get this um, this self-discipline practice, um, you know, down pat, I think is, um, you know, really, really um, uh, admirable. And um, uh, one thing with swimming and one thing with paddling is your breath work is incredible, isn't it? Because you're moving the body on both sides and the way you breathe is very deep. And I, I reckon that's... Um, that's great for not only your physical health but your mental health and I just think that um, uh, that's a practice that a lot of people really need to be able to get into uh, to, to stabilise. Um, I know with myself when I, when I used to swim or I used to paddle uh, how mentally well I felt and how calm I felt. Do you think yeah. that's, uh, that's a, a, a side benefit of, of all that as well? Probably, probably. The, um, certainly... You know, exercise, you know, for people that are stressed, um, people that are, you know, uh, unhappy, um, feeling, you know, feeling down, you know, I'll, you know, everyone knows that exercise is, is one of the great cures for that. It, mm. it helps, it, it, it throws the endorphins out into the system, the good endorphins, you feel better, you, you, you get a high from it. 
Mm. Um, and it's something that I've always sort of wanted to have. So I've, I've exercised pretty much every day of my life um, since the age of eight, which I should exercise. So there's no doubt that that's the case. And I think that when you start talking about swimming and where you're really, you know, utilising your heart and your lungs and getting a lot of oxygen through the body, mm. you know, that, that even gives you a bigger high. Like we do, um, we do breath work training sessions like we did that yesterday for example so we paddled um about eight kilometers then stopped went into a beach and we did a set on the beach on the sand where we walked um for 10 steps and, and breathed in and then we let the breath out for 10 steps and we did that for like a kilometer mm. um where you just you're controlling your breathing you're, you're under a bit of stress with holding your breath um, and controlling it, and then we did another set coming back, and then we got back on the ski and kept paddling. So, so, so I'm big on that. I, I think you're right. I think there's there's a lot to be said about um, about just that sort of calmness that you get from the breath. And you know, in a stressful situation, people tell you to breathe and to breathe calmly and all those sort of things, which is a a good practice. And then the other thing is, there's the latest data that's come out that I, I read. Um, states that um, if you want to live like a long life, but but a healthy life and a, and good quality life, then um, then exercise is your is your main key. And there's four parts within the exercise framework that is going to give you the the best chance of dodging those four major killers, um, and also doing that in a way where you've got quality of life. And one of those four is um. Is, is max VO2. So that's, you know, the amount of oxygen you get through your your lungs. Um, you know, and that comes into that breath work again, doesn't it? So there's a, there's a, in this study from Stanford, there's direct correlation between your max VO2 and how long you're going to live. It's quite amazing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mate, I, I agree. Um, it's something I suppose the average person would be unconscious of. The only only time you know if people don't exercise much, they're getting um, getting a deep breath in is when they might have some form of shock or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you, true. You, you know, true. but uh, yeah, yeah I, sure. I think it's a, a great um, uh, regulation practice that, that people need to get into. And it's something I never that, thought about. It. It's funny. I never thought about it once when I was competing. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, you know about that sort of thing because all you're doing is you, you're just trying to go fast and win mm. and. Um, but, you know, it's like when you get older, you, that sort of stuff come to the fore and, yeah, you're, you're spot on. So we used to do in swimming training in the in the 70s, we used to do what you call hypoxic um, breathing, which would be, you know, sets of, you know, two, four lappers, six lappers, what have you, on a certain time in the pool where the coach would say, right, you can't breathe until you've done five, five strokes mm. and then breathe and then another five strokes and breathe. And that was... You know, for one effort, and then there was it was seven strokes and breathe. So that was all part of that sort of holding your breath and all the rest of it. So my coaches were 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 serving this stuff up <laughs> fifty years ago, way back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Why are you sort of saying that? Then I'd I'd go for eight and then try and have a breath. But that was like that was really unconscious uh, around. Um, uh, you know, the reasoning behind it all, but it actually, like, it, mm. get, it gets you into a habit and a rhythm. And when, when, yeah. you, when you're, you know, out, out in normal life, I think that breath uh, practice actually uh, is, just becomes normal. And it's amazing how calm you feel when, um, 
when you're in everyday life and how you know you can be less agitated and less distracted because you are sort of in this zone that uh, the breath um, breath actually takes you to. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah. you're all over it. Yeah, it's amazing, but it's it's actually making me think I've got to start doing more. And um, <laughs> yeah, the, the the thing is, well, you know, we talk, talked about before, like the maintenance is important, but I haven't really done any deep lung work, you know, uh, like, you know, really pushing myself so I've got to breathe deeply, I haven't got a choice. Uh, mm. I think that's uh, that, that's that's important. And, and, and unfortunately, as we do age, we can get a little bit slack and we just sort of do do the, the bare minimum. Not so much the bare minimum, you, you always get a sweat up, but... Um, uh, you know, you can probably do a little bit more if you've got something to focus on, I guess. Yeah, no, the um, that that breathing stuff, you you know, the sets that we would do, you'd be on a you'd be on a high for mm. half a day after it. So there's something about oxygenating the the blood in your body and just um, giving it more, um, because yeah, you 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 get this you get this high, so you you just feel like you're bounding off walls and. You feel a million dollars. So it's, a, it's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah for absolutely, sure. mate. And they've made an industry out of breath work now, but really all people need Yeah, to it's everywhere, isn't it? Like <laughs> the cold the cold plunging stuff and the breath work, it's like, it's like the new millennium sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And one of your, uh, your ex-arch rivals that may be listening to this, Trevor Hendy, is now into the uh, ice work. <laughs> yeah, no, he's into it. I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do it too. We do, we've got a... Um, a mate of mine, I live on the northern beaches of Sydney, and um, a mate of mine opened up um, a swimming pool with like learn to swim and what have you. But he's also got recovery um, um, products in the in the centre as well. And we go there every Friday after training and do one hour. And um, so in that in that hour, we do. Um, he's got a hot and cold pool. So the cold pool's at six degrees, and the hot one. Is at 38 degrees. Mm. He's got um, dry and hot and wet saunas, so we get in that as well. Um, we also go, he's got a compression room where you put the compression boots on right up to your um, top of your legs um, and compresses the, um, the legs and gets the blood flow through. And then he's, he's got a hyperbaric chamber and he's also got um, a, um, a cold what do you call the uh, cryo, a cryo oh, chamber? And that, yeah. that's cold air at minus 87 degrees Celsius. Jesus. So we jump in that as well. So we do this circuit. We're trying to work out what is the best um, routine for the body, and we're mucking around with that. So um, so that's good fun as well. Yeah. Would you say you're feeling really amazing now at 59? I reckon, I reckon my body... You got for the listeners. I'm a bit of a unicorn in that I've never stopped training, right? Mm. And even though back in the '80s and when I was doing Ironman and what have you, you probably didn't. I didn't. We didn't focus on food like you would now because the information wasn't there like like it is now. But but we still didn't eat like really badly, but better, much better now. And just understand recovery and stress and all those sort of things. I reckon that. From a, a health point of view, I reckon I'm like I've got the, the sort of the health of a 30, 30 35 year old, mm, yeah. body wise and just mind and clarity and just fitness and if you added all those bits together, strength yes. and what have you. Yeah. Um, yep. but, but it's just it's something you just got to work at, you know. Like the the aging process is something that people talk about as if it's got to happen, and certainly there is a, an expiry date on the body. There's no doubt. 
but you can slow that right down by doing certain things. Yeah, yep. you can you can you can really turn the clock and slow it right up if you're clever with it. Um, and things like strength. So, for instance, you you reach your peak physically when you're 28 years of age, believe it or not, like young, right? Mm. And every decade after that, strength-wise, if you don't do resistance training of sorts. Mate, your body will lose between 9 to 17% strength every decade, decade on decade until you die. Mm. So that means if you're in your 70s and you've done nothing as far as like working your muscles, you've got 70% less strength in your muscles than what you had when you were 28 years of age. Mm. Mm. So you can see how people suffer if they don't go and look after that sort of thing. Yep. Um, but if you work it, you can maintain it. Yeah, mate, I, I agree. And, and really there needs to be more focus on that and, and trying to encourage people to do it. Now, we've made an industry out of uh, unhealthy people and, uh, you know, it's just expected that, uh, that, we, that we decline after we turn a certain age mm. and um, we, we become dependent. But what you're saying is we've got the ability to, be, to become independent if we actually, like, put the work in. Yeah, I like... I, I like in, um People talk about, you know, medicine and what have you. I, 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 this, this sort of stuff is proactive. Yep. You're being proactive. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're not, um, you're not waiting for something to go wrong and then dealing with it like, mm. like a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, what you're doing is you're actually just being proactive right now so that those things won't happen to you. Yes. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, type 2 diabetes or, you know, um, heart issues or what have you, high cholesterol, all that stuff. If you're proactive, then you can um, you can stave those things off by being clever. I mean, I I, I literally um, in my training group seven years ago, we had an incident where one of my mates passed away. He, he had a heart um, his heart stopped in the fitness class, and I resussed him until the ambulance came, and he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that fact, um, I sent 100 fit blokes from the age of 39 to 71 who you would put in the top one percentile of healthy fit people in this country for their age, right? And I said, you've got 12 weeks to go to the doctor, get a referral and go and see a cardiologist to get your heart checked. And if you, if you saw a picture of this collective group, you're, you'd be like, well, none of them are overweight. They all look healthy and vibrant and, you know, not stressed and all the rest of it. Well, they all went and did what I asked them to do and five of them straight away had to have stents put in mm. out of 100. Mm. And another 15 of them had to go on medications for high cholesterol. Um, and and the, one of the guys that had the stent put in, he had two put in and he was the youngest in the group. He was the 39-year-old. And he was the fittest in the group. He was about to go to America and compete in a endurance event over two days where you ran, paddle, bike ride, and um, and um, kayak. So, so, so literally, you know, if you don't get checked up and don't know what's going on inside you, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Another thing. So you just got, you, you, you can look healthy and fit on the outside. If you don't know what's going on on the inside, you're in trouble. Mm. Yeah, it's probably a lesson for me, actually, because I don't do that, you know. Um, well, you just, yeah, you, you don't know what you don't know and you can't see it. You can look good good from the outside. This guy that had the two stents, mate, ripped. Mm. Like, ripped. 
So, you know, he was the, if you're going to have a bet out of the whole hundred, mate, you would have put me in before him, <laughs> saying that he's going to need stance before this bike, and he had two. So, yeah. There you go. I need to yeah. share something with you. Go and, uh, go and get checked up, brother. Go and get checked up. <laughs> so, well, Dean Mercer, who raced Trevor Hendy and I, yeah. died at 47 from a heart attack. He did too. That's right. Unbelievable. It has. Yeah. Checked up. Seven. Mm. Mm. That was a while yeah. ago now, eh? Yeah, that was like five years ago. Mm. Mate, I, I just, I'll share something with you. A few years ago, I was, at, I was visiting someone in a hospital down the Gold Coast and I actually um, fainted uh, due to dehydration pretty much. And um, uh, they took me into emergency and, uh, and put me on all these machines and I said, look, I'm fine. And they said, oh, your heart rate's you know, so low. And I said, well... Um, you know, I, I feel fine, but these are the reasons why my heart rate's so low because I have done like a lot of endurance work, like yourself, but also I practice meditation. I keep myself nice and calm and, and, and grounded, and mm. they, they couldn't get their head around that. Um, yeah. so I, I don't want to be stuck in a pacemaker, but <laughs> but, but I well, I, no, you, yeah. you, the thing is, you, if you, you do all these good things that are right, but if you don't go and do that. There's a few things tests that you have to do on your body to, to clear it. Then you're um, then you, you could end up like Dean Mercer. He was training mm. twice a day, doing fitness right up until his heart stopped. Mm. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, stripped down in, in a pair of swimmers, he he looked like he was able to race. Yeah, elite level still. Yep. So it's just a, it's a good lesson for anyone listening. If you're over the age of forty. And you haven't had got, gone and had your heart checked, mate. Book in straight away. Ring up a doc, ring up your doctor, get a referral, and uh, go and get it checked up, checked mm. out. So, yeah, mate. mate um, so Dean's life could have been like saved if uh, he had have had a check. Do you think he would have been yeah. saved? No, yeah. not not not. Um, could have. He would have. Yeah, he would have been saved. Hundred percent. They would have. He would have had blockages in his arteries that would have been a genetic disposition family history um that wasn't checked and he would have um they would have just gone in um put a couple of stents in cleaned out the area they would have said come back every five years and we'll just make sure that your pipes are clean and that would have been it Mm. that would have been it Mm. yeah amazing isn't it but it's funny how blokes like we just avoid stuff and uh we don't uh we don't go and do those measures that uh that may provide uh prevent something uh you know potentially catastrophic happening like that well yeah you just you know you, you you get one life and you get you get a crack at it and you know like i've already spoken about time and you know like longevity and quality of life and all those sort of things chatting to you but it means nothing if you don't go and get those other things sorted out that does it because you just don't know like the heart the heart's the biggest killer in the country so <laughs> Mm. Electrical issues with the heart is the number one killer. It kills a hundred people a day, mm. um, every day, and doesn't discriminate between someone who's fit and healthy and someone who's not. Yeah, it's a kid under the age of ten today, every day. Yeah. So um, you know, getting your heart checked is uh, is super important. Mm. Well, it's certainly something that we uh, we don't pay a lot of attention of the maintenance of our body uh, or the um, I suppose the checking of our body and the tune ups because. Um, you know, we look at uh, outsource things like vehicles and that, and we keep them in reasonable nick, but we don't actually get our bodies checked. So it's really important yeah. that you uh, you raise this. And 
I know it's something you've be, become pretty passionate about now. Like you've moved right into uh, focusing on uh, on preventing, um, you know, potential, uh, I suppose, episodes of um, uh, people losing their lives uh, because of heart, you know, problems or potential heart attacks. And, and you started a uh, an organisation called Heart One Hundred and Eighty. Is that right? To be able to deliver defibrillators into uh, defibrillators, yeah, yeah, into sports cars right. and stuff. Hard to say. The, yeah, um, it is. So my mate died, like I said, seven years ago in a fitness class I was taking and I didn't have a defib um, on the spot and I didn't know I needed one. And back in the days doing Ironman and being down the circle up and competing, there weren't defibs down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I resuscitated him as best I could. I thought I'd get him back, didn't get him back. And I learned after the fact that if I had a defib close by and gave him a shock, from it that would have um, shocked his heart. He was a 70% chance of surviving, and mm. without, it, without it, he was around 5 6%, mm. which um, is not good numbers. So off the back of that, I just thought, you know what, I could just forget about this and move on, or I could actually go and do something about it and um, try to help other people. So I, I started out part-time just promoting um, and educating people to, to the deep impact and... Um, started just getting them out there and then it became a full-time a full-time gig and i've been doing a full-time for the last sort of four years and part 180 is a is the business that i've got and 180 stands for 180 seconds and that's the perfect time to get the pads of the hip on a patient if there's if they're breathing not breathing unconscious mm. and if you can do that then you give them a 70 percent chance of surviving and every minute that goes by after that initial time the heart restarting has got less than 10 percent chance of has got 10 percent less chance of starting again mm. so by the time the ambos turn up at about the 15 minute mark um with a defib um it's too late mm. because the heart hasn't been beating for long enough with um without someone helping it and the shock from the defib is not going to get them back so mm. so I'm, I'm big on having more defibs out there having people able to use them um, knowing where they are um, and you know like my goal is to have a DP within 180 seconds of anyone that drops um, down the track like once we reach the goal and if we can do that then the 100 people today that don't make it 70 of those people tomorrow would be alive mm. because a DP would be put on them someone would go and uh, listen to what the device tells them to do follow the instructions the device would shock the heart and the person would start breathing again. How's the heart would start pumping. So, have you got mm. have you got many out there now? So we 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 send out thousands a year now. Um, we get a life saved every two to three weeks that we find out about. So if someone uses one of our devices on someone, they'll give us a call and and want another battery to put into the device because it uses up energy when you go and. It shocked someone, and um, so we hear all the stories. So only two months ago, we had three people in the same week that got brought back, a, a bloke that dropped in a car park at the front of a pharmacy that had one of our defibs, made a work site in the, out the western suburbs of Sydney. Um, a bloke dropped, and then um, I can't even remember the last one, but I think it was on the sporting field from memory, and uh, that was all in the same week. And they all got brought back with, mm. with our deep So it's very rewarding. Mm. Um, quite ironic that I was a lifesaver 
an Ironman back in the day, and now I'm a lifesaver with the deep pitch. So it's, uh, it's funny how life works. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason, and you know it's it's certainly so sad that your, your mate um, you know passed away. But I think you know mm. so much good's come from it uh, as well. And you know you need to be proud of yourself for, for taking a positive approach to it. And yeah, you could have uh, could have like a, you know not done anything, but um, mm. what you've done is you know certainly helping lots of people. And um, you know there's probably lots of lives out there that um, are directly responsible. Uh, you know because of, of what you've done. Have you got, like, um, say, many sports clubs in Australia, for example, say if there's 100,000, how many how many sports clubs are, or what percentage of 100,000 would yeah. actually have defibs? Well, I, I would suggest there's probably 50% now. When I started seven years ago, probably 10%. Mm. Um, so it is, it's, a, it's a big step in the right direction. The, um, the, the gold medal in the world for defibs and CPR and saving people in the community is Seattle. Uh, in Seattle, they invented, a company over there invented the defib like 70 years ago. Um, so there's a strong presence of defibs out there because of it. And in Seattle, when you go to school, you do a CPR and defib course at school. You, when you go to get your driver's licence, um, you do another course on defibs. So, so basically, um, people are armed and ready to go and help someone if they drop in the streets. And there's defibs on every corner. They're out in, in the public uh, arena. They're in people's cars. You name it. So if, if you dropped in Seattle, there would be five people lined up wanting to give, to do CPR on you. Mm. And, Mate, there would be three deep is waiting to get on your chest, you know, mm. have the pads put on your chest. So that's why they've got such a strong success rate over there, whereas here in Australia we're at about 5% mm. survival rate out of hospital. So massive difference, got a long way to go. I've got more work to do and, um, mate, we just keep on plugging away. Yeah, so. mate. Oh, look, I think it's amazing. We'll have a chat off air, but if there's anything I can do to help you up here, I will. Um, yeah, because I think it's, it's this all helps. Just talking about it, there'll be people listening. Go, you know what? But my, my parents need one of those. My dad's got a heart issue, or shit. You know, I'll check whether the local gym I go to has one. Ask the question. If there's not one there, you know, for the sake of a couple of grand, we we give you the best equipment that does everything. You know, it tells you what to do. Teach coaches you during the actual process on CPR and whether you're pushing down deep enough. We've got online training that comes with the whole thing and we share that with everyone so that everyone's empowered to be able to go and help. So, you know, for the sake of a couple of grand, that's what life's worth yeah. pretty much. So anyone out there that's listening that wants to know more about it, um, I'm sure you can pass their details over to me and I'll, um, I'm more than happy to help them. Just so. just before I, I'll ask you your details, mate, um, would there be grants available for people to be able to get them or clubs that would might be able to access a grant to be able to uh, to get them? Yeah, there are. There are. You've just you've got to look on your local state state government uh, website. It's not the easiest thing in the world to find, but you you can look there and not look up grants and just see what's available and they do they do happen from time to time. We, we we've had a lot of different ways people have um raised money, like schools have done plain clothes day or a certain colour and it's like gold coin to, mm. to for the day and they've raised, you know, enough money to to get the DPIV off doing that. You know, like gyms will go out to the members and say, look, you know, w- we can't afford directly ourselves 
the two grand, but you know, can we all chuck in 10 bucks each to get a dookie? Mm. You know, and there's 200 members, and you, and you get it that way. So there's there's ways of doing it that um, don't don't impact and cost an arm and a leg for people to um to go and sort it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. amazing, mate. I think, Guy, look, you know, I always say to people that have had inspiring stories, the best is yet to come for you. God, you've had such an amazing 59 years, but I reckon... Now, the next uh, 40 or 50 or whatever it actually is is going to be pretty amazing as well. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, you've got so much to offer. And, um, yeah, I, I think uh, there's so many more lives that could be possibly saved. So, um, mate, how can people get hold of you if they want to reach out and, uh, and look at the product or um, maybe yeah. get in touch with you? Yeah, so Heart 180 is the, um, is the name of the company, and that's the website. So heart180.com.au and... If you if you contact um, you can contact me through the website. There's through the contact us section. The emails comes come through to me, and um, so that's that's the simplest way of doing it. And um, yeah, it just makes life easy. If they just contact me and have any questions on the defibs, and I can put them into the right one and make sure they're all fine. Yeah. Where did the 180 come from? That's the 180 seconds. So that's um, yeah. so if you you dropped right now. He, then basically we've got 180 seconds to get to the defib, get it next to you, bring up triple O, and if we can get those pads on you, on your chest, in that time, then you've got the maximum chance of surviving. Mm. So that's the 70% there. Um, every minute after that, then the chances are 10% less. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, the, uh, yeah, it, um, it, it's, it's one of those ones where it, it, the, the, the we like people asking the question where the 180 comes from because it, it's part of their education process, mm. you know. Yeah, yep. Oh, for sure, yeah. mate. I think that's tremendous. So, mate, I uh, really appreciate the chat. I hope plenty of people reach out. I, I'm going to certainly uh, make a bit of a, a pact myself to be able to talk about these things when I can go out and talk to clubs and communities. And I've got a footy club I'm talking to tomorrow night, so I might ask the question there. And uh, yep. we'll, uh, we'll start to uh, spread the word. So really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, if any, everyone listening, just you ask the question at your, your local gym, your sporting club, school, and, um, and you know, the chances are we can get more out there because you'll find that there, there's not as many out there as you hope. Yeah. Mm, amazing, mate. Appreciate it. You better uh, go and uh, do a bit of a paddle <laughs> before you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Aaron. Good chatting. Cheers, mate.